Welcome to The Art of Listening, a podcast about classical music, conducting, composition, the business of music, and how to listen to it all. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how music promotes peace. With me, as always, is Gabriel Gordon. Gabe, how are you today? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It is so good to see... um, all the great stuff that's happening out there in the world of classical music. Orchestras are starting to wake up. Uh, Symphonies are starting to be more simulcast online. Are you noticing as we're getting through the year 2021 that more classical music, more performances are being made available, free even, to the public? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, I've been getting contacted uh, by various people for concerts uh, you know, going on in the fall and in the winter, and people are starting to wake up and see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's really wonderful. There is light at the end of the tunnel. A lot of musicians are out there trying to not only build their musician brands, their orchestra brands, but it is also great to see student activities happening. I know you've been involved in some student uh, orchestra activities. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've been working on um, with our young musicians. Yeah, so I started in the middle of the pandemic. I started a little youth chamber orchestra called the Ogden Camerata, and we have been getting together once a week to rehearse, socially distanced and masked, of course, only strings. Uh, so we don't have uh, winds to deal with uh, the issues that come with that. Uh, and every single person is six feet apart. Uh, on their own stand, uh, as well as masked. And thank goodness, knock on wood, uh, none of us have gotten sick yet. So uh, we're, we're hoping to make it all the way through that way. You know, we're here on our podcast every single week talking about how music can bring change to the world, how you can listen to music. If you have any questions about anything that we talk here on the show, you can, of course, reach out to us online. Gabriel's website, gabrielgordon.net, is a great place to start. And, of course, you can check out all the social networks. Uh, Gabe, what is a great Twitter address that somebody can reach out to you on? You can reach me at Gabriel K. Gordon on Twitter. And of course, we welcome you guys to check out all the great stuff here. We do release these shows a couple times a month on Fridays. Hope you guys have a chance to hit the subscribe button and share this with your friends. It is a podcast for any musician, classical music lover, conductor, and really anybody who's out there looking to learn about how music tells a story. And really, that's what we're going to be talking about today, right? How can we tell stories through music? It really was, as we mentioned a couple of episodes ago, music being like really the first vehicle. For, for telling stories, but it's it's turned into so much more than that, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, music usually tells a story. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, Eric Satie would argue, would have argued that uh, music doesn't have to tell a story at all. And, you know, there's some music that is not meant to do that, but usually it does. And that story sends a message uh, most of the time uh, the message is a positive one, and music can be used uh, as a vehicle, really, for social change, uh, and it can be used to promote peace in different ways. So, do you remember Jeff? Uh, the you know the song "We Are the World." You remember that? 
you know, I was thinking about that one. Um, I, I recently started watching, I don't remember the show, Head of the Class. It's now on HBO Max. And in the classroom, there is a picture of USA for Africa. And we are like, they've got these social songs. I was thinking about that, actually, when we were talking about this topic here. I very clearly remember that back in the Yeah, year. I mean, it's, it, it was really a remarkable time when there were several uh, organizations that were built that we are the world turned into an organization, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did uh, those concerts, those live aid concerts uh, for many, many years uh, that raised huge amounts of money uh, for different social causes, uh, you know, particularly uh, children who are left hungry. And uh, it was really an extraordinary movement that, you know, unfortunately has kind of lost steam a little bit in these past years. But that's one example uh, of music for sending this message for social change. Uh, when uh, the when the, the Twin Towers went down in 2001, um, you know, a lot of a lot of orchestras around the world reacted within just a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, of course, the New York Philharmonic had to shut down like the rest of everything in New York City. Um, but a few weeks later, they did give uh, a concert. It was a requiem and, and um, requiems were very important at that time because we were a nation in mourning um, at that time. But um, I had a different idea of uh, what, how we could be thinking. And uh, I was thinking about really about rising up uh, from this tragedy and embracing people. And so uh, I put on a concert uh, that raised about $30,000 for uh, the Red Cross uh, Disaster Relief Fund. Uh, that the concert was Beethoven's Ninth Symphony instead of a Requiem. And uh, that sent a certain message uh, to people. Uh, My friend uh, George Matthew then uh, took that and uh, created uh, a group called Music for Life International, his organization that he's been doing now for uh, you know, almost 15, 20 years. Uh, and we're going to talk to George about his organization in a future podcast. And you mentioned Beethoven's ninth and it's used for yeah. so many things. And I know coming up, we're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to really like d- deep dive Beethoven nine. I think we're oh, yeah. going to go through it movement by movement, text by text. And, you know, the, the, the nine 11 tragedy was certainly one way of using it, but, didn't Bernstein do something different with it? Oh yeah, Bernstein. Uh, he he actually performed it several times in several different contexts. Uh, he performed it in Israel uh, during <laughs> uh, during the war. There's a great story that George actually just told me that um, it was during during one of the wars. Uh, unfortunately, Israel has has had many wars. Um, but Bernstein did a concert for the troops, as he was wont to do uh, during these wars, and he was performing a Mozart piano concerto. And the troops on the other side um, thought that there was an, you know, an organized mass of troops that was occurring in a certain place, and so actually it affected the war. They left a certain part undefended, 
because they saw this mass of troops gathering for a concert. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, things went on from there. So that's, that's actually music not promoting peace, uh, but affecting a war uh, in that particular circumstance. But Bernstein did, uh, did use Beethoven's Ninth Symphony um, to, to uh, encourage uh, Germany to bring down their wall. Uh, he actually, uh, you know, changed the words in in Schiller's poem uh, to include everybody, and uh, he he used that in Israel as well uh, to promote peace. And uh, you know, so music, you know, showing this using using these messages um, has been very very important. Uh, for what the piece says. So if you play a Requiem, that says one thing. But if you play Beethoven's Ninth, that says another. And it, there, you can use various pieces uh, to mean certain things. Um, yeah. and, it, and it can be used for positive or negative effect. Now, you're, you're mentioning things like We Are the World, Beethoven 9. These are, of course, pieces that have words to them. Right. But uh, don't I remember a story of how Mozart did uh, something generous for the American Revolution? So, there's a story in there with a string quartet that, of course, doesn't have any words. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's actually, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize how Mozart affected the American Revolution. They really... Uh, change things quite dramatically, actually. Um, so uh, Mozart belonged to the same group that, uh, that Benjamin Franklin and Haydn, uh, yeah, that Benjamin Franklin and, and Haydn all belonged to. Uh, the Freemasons. The Freemasons, exactly <laughs> right. They were all members of the, of the Freemasonry. And uh, the Freemasons gathered in Europe to raise funds for the American Revolution because Freemasons were all about not having the monarchy taking charge in everything. And uh, so there was this party that Mozart was commissioned to write string quartets for, and he knew that Haydn was going to be there, so he wrote them for Haydn. And these quartets were presented at this fundraiser uh, to raise funds for the American Revolution. And the it was actually occurred at the palace of the King of Prussia. Um, and the King of Prussia owned the land where uh, 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 George Washington's troops um, ended up staying uh, for a winter, which saved the American Revolution at Valley Forge. The King of Prussia owned Valley Forge at the mm -hmm. time and allowed George Washington uh, to stay there. So you could say that uh, without Mozart, there wouldn't be the United States of the America. Do you have a feeling that music for the sense of showing emotion, promoting a cause, it seems like that's more important now than it's ever been since we don't have concerts widely available? Yeah, I would say that you know, you you can you can use concerts for social change and you know and send those messages and that's really important. Um, but I would say even more important than that, live music 
it's important to show connections between people and uh, how how all of that works um, with people. Uh, it shows connections and it shows compassion. Um, when you look at an ensemble, uh, an ensemble, whether it's you know rock or jazz or classical, it really doesn't matter. Um, but you can see a musical ensemble that is really a model for constructive behavior. Um, it is compassion in action. Um, there was a great man named Jose Abreu who created a youth orchestra system in, uh, in South America called El Sistema. And it's, it's, a, it's a system of music education that is, has actually taken uh, America, North America as well, uh, by storm. And one of the things that Abreu talked about and, and one of the things that Abreu talked about and uh, put into his El Sistema program was the fact that uh, that getting together to make music was not necessarily only about musical education. It was about teaching kids about working well together. And he always talked about how whenever people come into a rehearsal, they come into the rehearsal with the purpose of agreement. And you really can't say that about everything. Wouldn't it be wonderful, say for instance, if our Congress or our Senate actually came into the chambers um, with the sole purpose of agreeing with each other rather than you know, trying to uh, get one up on one another as it seems that uh, most governments operate this way, unfortunately. Um, so what Abreu was talking about was how we come into the rehearsal and we say, okay, we are coming here, whether we have our opinions about Beethoven, we have our opinions about how a piece goes. No, we are going to be here in order to agree. And that's, that's something that you see on the stage whenever you go to a live performance. But, you know, he wasn't just doing that for the music's sake, was he? He was doing that with children. And yeah. he was doing that to pass that message on, which, of course, is now generational and not only has hit multiple generations, but multiple continents. Um, obviously, I think probably the most famous musician, I would say, that's come out of the El Sistema program is the famous conductor Gustavo Dudamel. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dudamel um, really has spread this message and, and he created an El Sistema program at the Los Angeles Philharmonic uh, himself uh, that's associated with the with the L.A. Phil. Um, and he's done a lot to spread that message. And when we're looking at messages, it really isn't, you know, as a musician, you know, we, we've all participated in the local, let's do something for charity. Let's do something to spread a message. It could be, could be a musical performance. It could be a, a local late night comedy thing. But when you have the opportunity to do it on such a large um, stage, such as, you know, people like the Western, the West Easter 
Divian Orchestra and Daniel Barenboim. Tell us a little bit about that story. So the West Eastern Divan Orchestra was founded by Daniel Barenboim and Edward Said, um, an Argentinian-Israeli and uh, an Arab. And he, they, they wanted to be able to have uh, Jordanians, Syrians, Iraqis, um, Iranians, and Israelis all be able to play together in one orchestra to show that this sort of cooperation can occur between these people, um, even though they are what people say are natural enemies. They're not natural enemies. These are people that can come into a room and actually agree on things and perform on an extremely high level with each other. And performing really requires listening to each other. And that's really kind of the key to all of this. If you, if you are with other people and you are listening to them and you are able to agree on things, that's what we're talking about. That's the model for constructive behavior. It's not utopia. Uh, in, in this orchestra, there have been times when they were gathering on to stay on the stage in order to perform together and in order to agree, to agree and their relatives were in other countries literally on the battlefield against each other and you know receiving text messages about you know how the war is going on and and yet they were able to go onto the stage and still agree with each other. That's the model for constructive behavior that we're talking about. That's the way that an ensemble and music can promote peace. So I'm gonna push back at you here. Yeah. When you put these things together, who is it for? Because I can sit here and say, well, you're going to put together a Beethoven 9 concert. You're going to get all the members of the Philly, Boston, New York, Jazz, Pops, Philharmonics, all that great stuff. You're going to bring in the world's best chorus people, and they're still going to be fighting. They're still going to be disagreeing. They're still. So what's the point of doing it? Who are we really doing it for? Are we doing wow. it for the organization? Are we doing it for the conductor, composer, organizer? Are we doing it for maybe there'll be peace in the Middle East? Like what? Because, or are we just doing it for the sake of getting people together for the night to celebrate music and play some Beethoven? Yeah. So, I, you know, I understand your question, Jeff. I mean, it it's really hard to put, you know, the, your finger on exactly why all of this, why all of this happens and why, why these concerts are absolutely absolutely essential the we're not doing it for any of those any any specific people um we do these concerts for everyone and to bring everyone together this is and, and you know and and yes people go back after the concert and they continue to fight what's important to consider here is that music does not create peace in no shape or form does music ever really, you know, create peace. It it really it helps. It promotes peace. It's we are saying that this is possible, and 
when you when you leave the concert hall and you are with people like that and you know this kind of connection occurs between the members of the orchestra um, as or the members of any ensemble for that matter and the audience and the audience comes together and there are different members of society and and different different demographics and all sorts of people who are also in the audience and so this connection when you do a concert like that the audience and the orchestra are in this together and when you leave a concert like that it becomes difficult when you've listened in that way uh and you've listened to the music and you've seen people and you have an experience like that um, with other people, it becomes very, very difficult to see them as someone else. You've done this together. And if you have been in that space with other people, then it's very difficult to say, okay, that person is against me. No, that person wasn't against you just five minutes ago. They were with you. <laughs> in that concert hall and all of you were doing the same thing and all of you were connected. It just becomes harder to make somebody else them or the other in that case. So let's go back to your childhood, Gabe. We yeah. all remember being child of the uh, the 80s. Uh, you're a child of the 70s. 70s, that's where I was going <laughs> with that. Um, in, in my day, we had the mixtape. Right. You, 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 you had a girl who you wanted to impress. You, you put together a track of your favorite songs. You gave it to that person. They listened to it and they thought of you. At least that's what I was hoping. Or you have that mixtape where you give it to somebody and you go, listen to the words of this. This is how I'm feeling about you. And, and all those are different things. Yeah. Is there a difference between setting up a concert specifically for a um event for a reason for a cause for instance you did beethoven 9 for the 9-11 let's start right. there um i liken that into here's a mixtape listen to the words there's meaning behind this versus we are having a concert that we were gonna have anyway and something tragic just happened in the world and you get up at the beginning of the concert and say we'd like to dedicate this to the victims of fill in the blank yeah. which I liken this to, hey, here's my mixtape of stuff I like, but I'm going to give the meaning to it. Is there a difference between, you know, creating a cause, you know, putting music together for the cause and just saying, hey, we're thinking about you, but we're going to play this piece over here because that was on the original program. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say all of this is really just a spectrum of connection. When you... When, when you choose a song with certain lyrics and you send it to somebody, you are making a very, very personal connection between one other person uh, in that way. Um, when you are doing a program that has a piece that may or may not have a certain connection to a recent tragedy, and you know, basically you didn't have time to change the program, uh, in order in order to do that and you just wanted to mention that that's another that's another level of connection and you know it's an appropriate level of connection i've done that many times where 
um, I happened to be doing the Barber Adagio uh, and somebody uh, or, you know, some tragedy occurred somewhere in the world or uh, somebody who, um, you know, I had a connection with and who I know the audience probably had a connection with passed away. So I'd like to dedicate this or very often that happens uh, in the orchestral world, world, especially if somebody uh, that's connected to that orchestra uh, passed away, we would like to dedicate uh, this performance of Barber's Adagio to this particular person. Um, but then I can tell you, having done Beethoven 9 under those circumstances, it reaches a whole different level of connection when you dedicate, not only, not only did we dedicate that concert to the healing process, really, that needed to happen. We, we performed that uh, three weeks after 9-11, or actually a, a little bit more than a month after 9-11 occurred on October 13th. And so this was really part of the healing process uh, for everybody in, in the area. Um, but we also raised money to help people physically as well. And that, to me, just up the ante on the connection, uh, like up to 11, really. <laughs> Talking today about songs that uh, promote peace, how we can use music, um, you know, to to share a cause or to help a cause. If you guys have any conversations out there and would like to share, we would love to hear you guys. You can, of course, reach out to the show at uh, Gabe's Twitter address, Gabriel K. Gordon, and uh, we would love to hear from you guys. Or if there's a piece that's on your mind that we might not have missed. I mean, obviously, Beethoven 9 is the big one. Mozart Requiem, Verdi Requiem, things like that. But if there's a piece that you might have used in a concert that really had a meaning behind it, we would love to know about that, too. And if you'd like to be on this show for future episodes and talk about this or other subjects, please reach out to the show. We would love to hear you guys and love to have you guys make sure that the art of listening is part of your professional learning each and every week. Gabe, we've got a lot of great episodes coming up. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that we've got coming up in future episodes of the art of listening. So I mentioned uh, my friend George Matthew, uh, Music for Life International. We're going to be talking to him in a few weeks. And uh, I wanted to also talk about audition strategies and uh, things you can do uh, to help yourself uh, do better at auditions. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere that you guys get your podcasting music. This is the show about classical music, conducting, composition, the business of music, and how to listen to it all. On behalf of Gabe and everybody here, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to enjoy the music. You're going to have a much easier time memorizing and vice versa. So all of our conversations are going to be about music. But they're also going to pertain to lots of other things. And we hope that you have a chance to check out this show and all of the other ones in here. The Art of Listening. Again, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere that you guys get your stuff. And we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Art of Listening. So next time, on behalf of myself and Gabriel Gordon, enjoy the music. <laughs>